0: Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of
1: people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench podcast network. So Zan! WHAT DO YOU WANT TO TALK ABOUT THIS WEEK?
0: EVERYTHING! ABSOLUTELY EVERYTHING! BECAUSE THAT'S WHAT THIS SHOW HAS IN STORE THIS WEEK! OH MY GOODNESS, WHAT A CRAZY LAST 12 HOURS WE'VE HAD IN THE COMBAT sports WORLD! ALL I CAN SAY IS, WOW!
1: WAIT, WHAT DID YOU SAY? YOU SAID ALL what? THAT YOU CAN SAY IS, UH... WOW.
0: Yep, THAT'S EXACTLY WHAT I SAID!
1: Uh, I'm Tom Albano, that's San Bando. Welcome to episode number 38 of the MMA Outsiders. As you kind of alluded, Zan, quite the interesting 24 hours. So we go from, Zan, that our focus is going to be this Haney-Lomachenko fight, which is still one of the biggest fights in boxing this year, and I can't wait to see it, to now, all of a sudden, complete madness in the news sphere. Madness in the PFL sphere. Madness in the UFC sphere. Madness everywhere. This fight's getting signed. This fighter is getting signed. I might be getting signed too. So. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Everything everything is kind of out of control. So I'm going to get the stuff out of the way first. The intro stuff out of the way so we can jump right into this. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here on the Empty the Bench Network, including the MMA Outsiders, Empty the Bench, Game On, Produce Zero, so much more. Make sure to follow us across social media at MMA Outsiders, ETB, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, make sure to follow the network on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ETB Network. That's Sam Zambando. You can find his work over at BJPen.com. He's a staff writer there. You can follow him on Twitter at Zambando99. He is a Bellator Rankings Committee member. I am Thomas. Sure you can find my work over at fanside MMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Thomas J Albano. And maybe there might be something in the PFL in the works.
0: Yeah, let's just let just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> so PFL is going to be talked about a lot on this show, no doubt. And I need I'm going to just put that forward out there. If it seems like i'm not talking too much during the pfl segments i am i'm just gonna leave it out there and you do the math uh also i forgot to also mention in the uh in the intro go to etbpodcast.com our official website for the network for all everything uh information-wise about the network and the uh blogs that i've been cranking out shout out to uh hank and jen slap shots fired Who knows, maybe an MMA or a boxing blog might be needed very, very soon with all this going on. Uh, And don't forget, you also have the audio-only streaming platforms, so if you don't want to see Xanadai's faces, you can take MMA Outsiders with you on the road. You can listen in your car, you can listen on your phone, anywhere. And if you are listening on the uh, audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, all that, don't forget to check out the YouTube uh, channel where you can see the video stream and get You know, easy access to everything. All right, out of the way, Zen. I think it's time we talked about the predator. I think it's time we talked about the former UFC heavyweight champion. We thought it was gonna happen last week. Didn't happen last week, but now, some 24 hours before this show airs, we have the news drop. Francis and Ganu's free agency period is. Over And he is signing a deal with the Professional Fighters League. And then it is a deal unlike anything I think I have ever seen when it comes to an MMA fighter and a promotion.
0: Yeah, not just anything like you've ever seen before. This is a groundbreaking deal for someone who has presumably been out of competition for over a year and a half. And I'm going to go on the record saying this is the biggest MMA heavyweight free agent signing since Fedor Emelianenko made his blockbuster move to Strike Force in, in 2009. You thought that deal was a big deal back then? This is light years above anything that Fedor signed for about 14 or so years ago. This is going to shake up the MMA world and, quite frankly, the combat sports world in ways that we've never seen before.
1: So let's get into the details of everything. So the news was officially broke, uh, was officially broken yesterday morning by the New York Times, and then everybody else followed suit. So Francis Ngannou has signed a deal with the PFL. It is a multi-fight deal. Obviously, this comes, as you said, Zan, about a year and a half after his last fight with the UFC and four months after, I'd say almost exactly four months to the day where he and the UFC officially parted ways, where Dana sat at that press conference and said that Francis Ngannou was no longer in the UFC contract and the World Heavyweight Championship of the UFC's heavyweight division had been vacated. Uh, so here are some of the deals. And actually, what's funny, Zan, you mentioned the word groundbreaking. That was actually used in a statement made by PFL CEO Peter Murray. Uh, Francis Nganu, as, as expected, will take part in the super fight pay-per-view division. However, he will not make his PFL debut until 2024 because the deal that we're going to go over is only on the MMA side. As part of this deal, he will have certain access to boxing fights and the expectation is that he will compete in the boxing ring at some point during the second half of this year. But there is little to no detail as to who an opponent is, who uh, when that fight would take place, etc. Uh, some of the other some of the other things that are going on with this deal. So let's see, which do we want to do? I think we should take a have a look at the Ariel Helwani tweet because that was actually one that uh, I had made a little reference to in a breaking news. So
0: wait before before you get to that I'd like to read part of the press release that the PFL sent out to all assembled media okay. earlier this morning. This, this is from uh, Peter Murray, the PFL CEO. It says, The PFL is excited to announce its groundbreaking strategic partnership with Francis Ngannou, the greatest heavyweight MMA fighter in the world. Ngannou will anchor the PFL star-studded pay-per-view super fight division, serve on PFL's global athlete advisory board, and will be chairman and an equity owner of in PFL Africa. Beyond working with Francis to advance the sport of MMA and scale PFL globally, I'm personally looking forward to supporting Francis and his commitment to fight for communities in Africa, around the world, inspired by his vision for the Francis Ngannou Foundation. So that's just a piece of a very extensive press release that was sent out to assembled media that essentially explains in further detail Uh, What this Francis Ngannou deal actually means for the promotion and, quite frankly, the sport of MMA?
1: So the deal gives Ngannou, as kind of hinted in the press release, quote, equity and leadership roles. Uh, He is going to be the chairman of the newly launched PFL Africa, which will look to bring fights over to (laughs) Africa. Uh, we have actually seen the PFL. I guess this is another chapter of their little expansion outside the United States with you know the Challenger series, the Europe series, and all of that. Uh, you also got Zan a couple of other interesting little tidbits, which I'm trying to uh bring up right now. I'm trying to bring up uh the bloody elbow piece, which actually was very detailed and laid a lot of stuff out about this contract. Uh so the deal uh would supposedly guaranteeing Ganu close to eight figures, an amount that Bloody Elbow says we were is told was more than what the UFC's final offer had been for every title defense. Because Zan, remember he's in the PFL super fight division, that means he gets a cut of the pay-per-view purchases for the pay-per-view revenue whenever he does fight in the uh whenever he does fight in the PFL. He is a member of he does have a certain position on the PFL board in which he is basically going to be representing the fighters for fighter rights. Uh, And an interesting tidbit, Zan, which is actually we talked about last week. So last week we talked about how Francis wanted a certain pay figure, minimum pay figure for his opponents. And the original number in the deal, because the PFL is going to follow to that the original numbers in the original reports was one million dollars. However, Francis, in later interviews that he's done with Ariel Helwani, DAZN, et etc., in the past twenty-four hours, says it is a two million dollar minimum payout for his opponents.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just that just goes to show the power that the PFL has given Francis now allows him to do things that he wouldn't have been able to do in any other promotion. So that'll be interesting to see with that $2 million price tag for his opponents, how many heavyweights will be more than willing to compete against him in the near future. I think this next year is going to be very interesting to see A, who the PFL signs, and B, how they market not just the PFL Superfight division, but the PFL heavyweight division, just because they're still trying to become that official number two. And I think this signing, I think further solidifies that they are pushing to be that number two MMA promotion in the world if they aren't already.
1: Now, I want to bring up an interesting point you talked about last because you talked about Zan and a lot of people have still talked about that francis and I, I see the term being thrown around on social media fumbling the bag because we have the whole thing about obviously this pretty much shuts the door dead on any chance that we're going to get john jones versus francis and but you look at this kind of deal that francis and got and kind of like you, you were saying before zan it seems like you know Everything that, like well, I don't know if I should say everything, but certain things that he was looking for, where, you know, everybody was told that he was crazy. The PFL just goes done and gives him it. So, I mean, do you see this still as a downgrade for Francis Ngannou? Do you see this more as a win for Francis Ngannou because he's got what he wants? Do you see this as a win for the PFL? Like, how do you, how do you view this deal? Obviously. Obviously, hindsight is going to be twenty twenty once this deal is actually done and Francis Ngannou, I mean, and or Francis Ngannou, leaves MMA. But how do you look at this deal as of right now?
0: It's a very good question. I think I look at it from several different perspectives. So I'm going to try to break it down the best I can in kind of three parts. Part one is the fact that Francis Ngannou is now walking away from presumably the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight history and one of the biggest fights in UFC history. That's part one. Um, Whether you like it or not, uh, that fight um, was more so a dream than a reality um, for much of the last three years. Like It's a fight that everyone wanted to see, but knew that there had to be a lot of moving parts for it to happen. Um, For a lot of people, sadly, we're just going to have to accept the fact that it probably will never happen unless some sort of miracle happens in either Jones decides to sign with the PFL in in a few years, which is doubtful, or if some other way that fight comes to fruition. So that's part one. That's kind of the downside because the fans lose in terms of the fact that the the biggest fight now in UFC heavyweight history is is no longer going to happen. And now the question of where's Francis's place in UFC history is up in the air because of this. The second side of this whole thing is that Francis got exactly what he wanted. Uh, the only thing you can be is happy for him at this point, just because he's waited over a year and a half for something like this. He, I don't, I don't remember which podcast it was on, but someone was like, Oh, um, you know, I, I'm sure you remember Dana didn't put the belt on you after you beat Don," And he's like, he started laughing. He goes, uh, I don't care. That just proves my point th- that he was upset because he didn't have power and leverage over me. So I think that's something else you have to keep in mind, too. That Francis was just waiting for the egg to crack. And after UFC 270, it finally it finally did. Well it, well, his, his his ACL and his knee and whatnot what, what was was a bit of a was a bit of an issue. The the fact of the matter is, is that Francis was really Just waiting for that moment for the UFC to say, I give, which that was the beginning of the end. Side three, to answer the third part of your question, of course this is big for the PFL. PFL has waited for a signing like this ever since they signed Kayla Harrison. Nobody knew who Kayla Harrison was when she first came to the PFL. Now she's known as one of the biggest um, female MMA fighters in the world in terms of popularity. You get a guy like Francis Ngannou, who was the former UFC heavyweight champion. This is, without question, the most important day, or 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 the most important few days, rather, based on the time of when this is being released to, to our audience in in company history. So, of course, this is a win for the PFL. But the biggest question is is a who is Francis Ngannou going to fight first in MMA, and b how the heck is PFL going to sell this? as if it is the biggest fight in heavyweight history, simply because I think the biggest issue is when you compare PFL's roster to the UFC's, it's really hard to compare talent level when the UFC has the best fighters in the world. So it's going to be very interesting to see from a marketing pr- perspective how PFL spins this so people are more interested in buying it. Because quite frankly, I think the biggest name that Francis Ngannou could fight in the PFL first is Fabrizio Verdum, and we know that Fabrizio Verdum obviously is way up there in age and was a heavyweight champion about six or seven years ago now. So just the biggest question is going to be, who is France is going to fight? Obviously, they conclude, though, a very important day for the PFL. And and let's face it, they, they got their guy that they wanted. So there you go.
1: Well, here was going to be my question, because I know in the past couple of episodes, you said, oh, well, Francis and Ngannou, he needs to look himself in the mirror, blah, blah, blah. Are you kind of su- and we and we had the report from one ch- about how uh, Chatry from one championship basically said, you know, that Francis was asking for too much. So my first question, Zan, is I guess we can see now truth to both sides of the story where Francis would have told him about the PFL deal because he is getting all of this. And second of all, as part of that, are you surprised the PFL gave him almost everything that he seemed to ask for?
0: Yeah, I'll be quite honest. I am surprised just given the fact that, you know, the PFL is still trying to cater to a mainstream audience. And, I mean, this is one way you do that. And it also sends a message that, The PFO is looking to evolve the sport of MMA. And I think it's quite obvious that them doing these sorts of things, like giving him a spot on the board of directors, allowing his opponents to make millions of dollars just to fight him. I think it goes to show that there can be a way forward in MMA in terms of guys or women or men, for that matter, getting fairer compensation. And I think this is one step towards that. My whole rant from a couple weeks ago was more so based on the fact that I was upset from a fan's perspective because I had been waiting to see Jones versus Ningano for a long time, as had everyone. I mean, the last time that you saw a massive UFC heavyweight championship fight, you have to go back to the time when Cain Velasquez was still heavyweight champion and he was fighting Junior Dos Santos. So I think more so... As a, as a matter of fact, or or I guess you'd say A versus DC also. But my my, my point in saying all this is that from a from a fan's perspective, I totally understand the people who are upset because now the you know uh, not a rebirth in the heavyweight division, so to speak, but a, but a culmination of the biggest heavyweight title fight in UFC history is no longer going to happen. So I think that's the biggest downside. Is Jones is not going to be able to say like oh. I'm the greatest of all time. And I beat the scariest heavyweight, the promotion had ever seen. Now he could walk off into the sunset saying, Hey, I, I assuming he fights next. I beat Steve Bamiocic, but I can never have that, 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 that last crack at a guy that's been calling my name out for several years or what have you. So I think that's the best way as to how I can answer that. And,
1: and they're still calling each other's names out. The two traded barbs on social media, Earlier in the day that we're recording this. Yep. So they're still joining at one another despite all that. Um, so I actually, to answer the, you know, who should be first question, obviously, you know, you mentioned how PFL should still go on the uh, signing, you know, signing spree, but I actually want to take, speaking of PFL, a tweet that I saw from you, you were interacting with somebody from the PFL, well, ESPN the PFL's partner, Ian Parker. And he was I, talking sure, about-
0: I sure I sure was.
1: And I think and I think Sand you kind of made a point when you were when you were tweeting with him in that the whole question about it right now is isn't even so much who he's going to fight when he debuts for the PFL in 2024. It's going to be who is he going to fight later this year if he is going to have this boxing match. Now, <laughs> we've heard rumors over the last 4 months Tyson Fury we've heard um that, that supposedly there was going to be a tune-up to the Tyson Fury fight with I think it was that uh, Derek Chazora
0: Derek Chazora or uh or uh or Daniel Dubois
1: or uh uh, uh, De- uh Deontay Wilder supposedly still in the mix maybe some questions about you know considering his recent arrest but I mean uh, Zan Nate Diaz uh, was recently uh was recently charged and we've got still a fight with him and Jake Paul on for August 5th, which we're going to talk about their first press conference a little later. Uh, yeah. So. And
0: I, and and I can't wait to bring up a, a little, a little theory that I found. um, Well, a couple of days ago or now during the time that we're recording this, that actually I think could make a whole lot of sense, but I'm going to let you continue one.
1: Okay. So let, let me just get to my question then. What do you see happening for this supposed boxing fight that's going to happen later this year?
0: Um, I think it's going to be a tune-up fight, and I think it's going to be no one all that exciting. Um, It'll be Chai Zor or Dubois probably somewhere uh, on the West Coast, or they, they could do something international, but I don't see it. It'll probably be a West Coast fight at some point in late July, early August.
1: For sure. Okay, I could I could definitely see something along those now, lines.
0: N- now now the question that I have for you is if he's gonna box, I'm a little bit confused as to is this under top rank? Like who like how would he how how would he do this if he has this now exclusive deal with the professional fighters? League? My That's only
1: guess like- my only guess is he would basically act as a sort of independent of sort for the boxing world
0: okay so he could go wherever he could go to match room he could go to showtime that's my yeah i mean that would make the most sense to me i just wasn't sure uh if you knew anything i didn't so I, i i figured i figured i would ask yeah
1: nope so that's my only guess as to what could happen with this uh with the boxing side of this deal uh yeah, I, I have do.
0: another. I I I have another follow up question for you.
1: Okay. Do
0: you think at the eleventh hour the UFC tried to re-sign him and then they gave up, or do you think they didn't?
1: I don't think they did. I, okay, I, I don't think so. Uh, I'm I'm trying to actually since you bring up the uh other uh offers uh supposedly around the little news around the tidbits trying to find here and there across social media with our uh. For our fellow MMA media colleagues, uh, seems like Bellator wished him the best of luck, but ultimately did not give an actual offer. Uh, one championship, I was kind of referring to this before because we had the talk about one championship breaking off a couple of weeks ago with uh breaking off the talks with him. I guess I can kind of see two truths to this. I like, I mean, a mix of both in that Chachi was saying, Oh, he wanted this, this, and this, and I don't think he did, but at the same time when you get an offer like Francis Scott from the PFL, obviously you're going to want to have that offer matched. And it seemed like Chattrary didn't match it, but I can, like, you get what I mean? I could see it from both angles in that, you know, Francis saying, oh, I mean, there wasn't really much that he could do because you had the Ariel Hawani report that Chattrary was told that there was a significant offer on the table uh and it seemed like in the interview he did with Ariel Hawani recently Francis said that any reports about bare knuckle coming to him are not true bare knuckle never reached out
0: yeah and just out of curiosity do you do you believe that that claim that BKFC did not um was not in this running do you believe that to be truth as well because I personally do
1: you personally do believe they weren't in the running?
0: I I do, yes.
1: I, mm-hmm. I also believe they were not in the running.
0: And the reason why I say that is because I don't think, and and I could be wrong. Um, I don't have a relationship with David Feldman and or anything like that. Although I do have a hilarious voicemail that I kept uh, from him. He somehow got my phone number. That's it. That's a story. That's a story for for another time. <laughs> um and I'm not joking about that. But um but none that but nonetheless um I don't think they were in the running for him simply because I don't think they could afford him.
1: Yes, and I don't know, zand I, I don't know if you got this vibe from that prince interview. It seemed like he didn't really have much of an interest into going into bare knuckle.
0: Uh no, I didn't I didn't think so either.
1: Uh, so I'm just trying to think, I think we got all the points that we need to about this Francis deal as of right now, as it relates to the PFL, uh, overall, just big scoop. Francis gets what he wants. PFL gets the fighter that they've been looking for. This is a winning situation all around. Let's see what happens when he actually enters the PFL cage next year.
0: Absolutely. And, um, I, uh, I think, um, assuming he knows what happened, I'm sure whoever told uh, Dana White this news, I'm sure that uh, Dana probably had no words and he might have laughed a little bit, but that was probably it. Yeah, that's, that's just a highly educated guess, but I could be very wrong or he could have said, I simply don't care.
1: Either way. So, Zan, we're going to stick with the PFL because there's a couple of other news stories about the PFL. And one of them, Zan. Francis Ngannou is not the only interesting pickup that the PFL has had of late. No, also during the week between last episode and this, then former Glory kickboxing welterweight champion Cedric Dumbay has signed with the PFL. Wow. This is an interesting story, because Cedric Dumbay was signed to the UFC last year to compete on the UFC Paris card. Uh, obviously, Dumbay is from France. Uh, and. Apparently, there were issues with the deal and issues supposedly, according to him, through some medical uh, physical looks with uh, the with uh, with the UFC doctors in which the UFC doctors because of I think it had something to do with his head and blood and blood on the internal side of it. I'll look up the specifics again, but they would not clear Cedric Toombe to fight. So that deal fell through. And here's the PFL saying, you know, come join us, Cedric.
0: Yeah, I mean, good for Cedric for getting picked up by the PFL. And according to, to an interview that he did, I'm blanking on with what I uh, went. So my apologies there. But um, he did an interview where he said that the PFL contract that they offered him would have been 10 times more money or or is 10 times more money than what, what it would have been with the UFC so that just goes to show that Bay was doing the best that he could in making a worthy investment and, uh, and taking hour. a negative.
1: Sorry, MMA hour, by the way.
0: Oh, okay, okay, cool. What I was going to say was he was taking a negative situation and turning it into a positive, and that's exactly what happened.
1: So here's the full situation explained from his, uh, from his side. I'm going to take the quote here from uh, the transcription of the MMA hour. A doctor made a mistake in that test and it said that I have blood in my brain and I used to do it like so many times when I fought. I had one boxing for and when I used to do it, I signed the paper to the UFC. Uh, I didn't even check and they responded to us that I can't fight because the MRI is so bad. So that's why I didn't fight at UFC Paris. That was a very big mistake. Despite letting the UFC representatives know that he was cleared to compete by quote, three different doctors the promotion ultimately parted ways with Bay due to the MRI issues.
0: Very interesting. Um, personally, I think there's more to the story, but of course he's willing to share whatever he feels. So we're not one to judge him in any sort of way. I'm just happy that he got the deal that he was looking for, and now he has a home. So that's the that's the big thing. And if you've never seen Jumbe fight, uh, even um, even, with, um, even with even with even with him not signing with the UFC, um, and he, and even with him coming from Glory, I think it's great for the PFL that such a huge name uh, wants to be there and is now finally there. It's just unfortunate the UFC wasn't seeing the same story that the doctors were sharing with him and uh and the communication just got misconstrued is what
1: i meant to say uh the other part of this story i want to take zan is i mean you look at what happened with the francis and you look what happened here uh to talk about francis and all he got the fact that zumbe says oh my deal is 10 times bigger than what the ufc was going to give me it should there be a little concern well i don't know if concern is the right word but maybe more of a reality that we're going to see other fighters basically choose to get away from the ufc in order to try and go outside of the normal whatever the win structure whatever the pay structure is you know your normal 5k to win i mean 5k to show 5k to win etc are we going to see more promotions start to give a little more than just what the UFC normally does with the show money and the win money. And do you think that they're, you know, the expectation is we'll see fighters taking such offers and should the UFC be concerned about that?
0: Um, my opinion on that is I think it's, I think it all depends on the promotion and what the investors are willing to invest. I think what we've seen now in these last several days that if they're willing to put the money up and you're willing to pay the fighters what they're worth, Good things are going to happen. If the promotion wants to keep all the money, you're going to keep seeing more guys um, earn five k, five k, and five k to show it to show and win. Then you are uh, guys who maybe want want that bigger payday. So I think um, the fighters can make the best decisions for themselves. But I think it ultimately comes down to the promotion and what they're willing to give. Because sometimes the fighters are only left with so few options. And of course, this Francis signing doesn't automatically mean that everyone's going to go to the PFL. But if some of these free agents can play their cards right, and the PFL believes in them as much as they did with Francis, you could end up seeing a trend. But in terms of right now, I think it's going to slowly start to happen. But maybe it'll come to a halt in several months because of a new development that we don't know about. But I do think that, it is definitely a possibility for sure
1: all right one other note to make mention of with the PFL so we've had a lot of very good and then there is also the unfortunate so you have seen now over the past couple of days a couple of PFL fighters were suspended and basically cannot can no longer take part in the season tournaments that number is now up to 9 that have been suspended by commissions for drug test failures and the regular season for the PFL is going to take a little bit of a shakeup. In fact, San, I think Cedric Dumbay is going to compete in the Atlanta card and he's going to enter the season mid season.
0: Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a massive signing and a boost to the first Atlanta show or the, or the, or the Atlanta card coming up in June. I mean, you, you can't get a bigger boost than that. Can you? Right.
1: Not at all that's um big. i mean obviously to... okay hang Sorry. on Sorry. I, I do have some of the names because there are some interesting names that have part of these suspensions um the top names and i think is the former ufc light heavyweight title challenger tiago santos the former heavyweight champion of pfl bruno capeloza uh there are also several other names okay uh Will, Fleur, will Fleury, uh, UFC alumnus Christoph Jocko, Mohamed Fakardin, uh, Rizvan Kuniev, uh, Cesar Ferreira, Alejandro Flores, and Daniel Torres. So here are some of the changes that are being made as a result of these suspensions. So Ty Flores is in against Rob Wilkinson on June 8th. Tyler Diamond will replace Daniel Torres against Mavlid Kaibulev. Um Santos Fakardine were supposed to fight. That fight is now canceled because both of them have been suspended. Uh Ty Flores was supposed to fight Jocko. Gabriel Barga will replace Alejandro Flores against Marlon Morais. Taylor Johnson, PFL veteran Andrew Sanchez will enter the light heavyweight scene. Uh Impa casinagne and Tim Cameron will be I mean Tim karen will be on the card. Uh, defending PFL heavyweight champion Ante Delia, uh, who is thought to be out for the season, is now gonna come back against Maurice Green. Patrick Brady, Jordan Heiderman is in. Uh OAM will now fight Anthony Romero. As we mentioned, all these cards are now gonna be in Atlanta for the second half of the PFL regular season, which takes place in which takes place in June. Uh,
0: a, lot of, a, a lot of UFC alumni on that list. That's yeah, funny. that's for sure. I mean, in the biggest name jumps out right right off the bat, like a sort of thumb, is Thiago Santos. I mean, what what a fall from grace that guy has had ever since nearly beating John Jones a couple years ago. It it's a real it's a real shame that he's not able to compete, considering he's still very dangerous. He just hasn't found his consistency in the last several years ever since leaving the UFC.
1: Yeah. Definitely, uh, let's say, and it definitely does not help a situation like this where we don't know when he's going to fight again. Uh, a couple of other names on that list, I find it, I do find it interesting, Zan. That, like I mentioned, Cedric Dumez is now going to be fighting in the June cards. You got Ante Dalia, who, Zan, if I'm not mistaken, you referred to last week as the. As the Who, when we were talking about the Francis and God, who's signing with the with the uh, with the Ariel Helwani clip that we played, I sure, I sure did, <laughs> I sure did. So, uh, him to you is going to be Jeremy Stevens to Conor McGregor, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a pretty darn good comparison, and I really hope, um, I really hope my words get eaten because I want to see him do well. That, that that name just didn't ring a bell as soon as it was presented to me. So my uh my apologies to Antti and his team if they are if they are watching this or if they have even heard of me. Please do not slander me the next time I reach out and request an interview. I I, I promise I will know about you. Uh, the, the first time we talk, hopefully in the near future, uh, later, later 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 this year.
1: <laughs> hopefully, uh. I mean, Zan, the only thing I can really say is, I mean, what else can you say? The PFL, they said in a statement, has a zero tolerance policy against any drug testing failures. And I mean, this. I mean, it's definitely, it definitely hurts. But at the same time, we've seen now how the PFL, you know, Zan, the PFL is the home of craziness sometimes. And we've seen the kind of shakeups that they can have. And PFL, credit to them, they have managed to. Pull together, still, you know, the Atlanta Cards, and ultimately, if you're a fighter who is suspended here, I mean, you're responsible for what you put in your body, and you gotta, especially Zan. The second part I'm going to say, especially somebody like Tiago Santos, who you have an opportunity to come away with a million dollars at the end of this year, and it's basically a you blew it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they absolutely blew it in their own regard. And also, especially for a guy like Santos, you know, that, that tax on a, a year of inactivity and with his age, uh, it's not good. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, he wanted to restart his career in a new promotion, and that's gotten off to a really bad start, especially with this. So, um, yeah, I mean, none the, nonetheless, uh, you know, if you want to act like a professional, you need to be a professional and these nine fighters simply did not do that. But the amount of seasons that the PFL has had so far, they should they should know better than that.
1: And and like I said, this is probably one of the biggest shakeups that we've had with the PFL since they've begun the regular season format in I think it was 2018. And mm-hmm. now and now, you know, like I said, they're they're rolling with the punches. So credit on them for being able to, you know, put things together, have backup plans.
0: Now, the biggest issue, though, is if more fighters get suspended and the names become more prevalent, then they have a serious problem. So but
1: but as of right now, it's the nine fighters. And like I said, we're going forward. PFL is going strong. Can't wait to watch the can't wait to watch the second half of the season this June.
0: Oh, I am. I am. I am too. I'm. I'm very. I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, overall, minus that negative news, it was a very positive day for the professional fighters week. And I don't know about you, Tom. I'm going to emphasize it again. I think they're making a real case that they are, if not already, the number two MMA promotion in the
1: world. Big time. We said that they had the opportunity to do this when we were first talking about Francis's free agency back in January. Uh. Mm-hmm. And Zan, I will say speaking of the battle for the number two promotion in the world, speaking of things to get, you know, MMA outsiders involved with the, uh, you know, it these events and the activity and all the excitements and June 16th is going to be a very interesting day. I'll be focused, I think on the, uh, PFL card in Atlanta. That's the second part of the second half of the regular season and you'll be in Chicago for Bellator 297.
0: Yeah. So we will be at the, uh, Two rival competitor promotions, if you will, watching their respective events and doing our respective duties, if you if you will. So, so and yeah. I'm sure,
1: and I'm sure, and I'm sure you know. Once we're done with that, we're gonna watch the the other that we missed. So we'll flop basically.
0: Yeah. So that means I'll watch Bellator. You'll watch PFL, and then we'll flip flop. Yeah,
1: yeah. Exactly. The next day should be a fun weekend of fights. But Zen, as we kind of alluded to. The UFC. Maybe they were maybe they were watching a little something. You talked about Dana before and what his reaction would be. Well, maybe he didn't have a reaction to the news. But he said, you know what? There's a lot of craziness going on in the MMA here. And he said, wait a minute. Hang on. I've got my own craziness.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as I alluded to last week, how Dana claims to never read the media. There's no way he was not reading the internet today because – some bombshell UFC news did drop about um, about a couple of hours before we were set to record, let's say. And uh, the news is, is pretty messaged. So let me break it down. UFC let, me, let me break
1: it down in one sentence before you break it down. The BMF title is back.
0: Yeah, the BMF title is back in a major way. Uh, the UFC is back in Salt Lake City, Utah for the second time this year. Uh, Which Dana White is very excited about, as he should be. It seems like he's he has a good relationship with Utah Jazz uh, management and ownership. Nonetheless, UFC 291 will take place July 29th in Salt Lake City, a rematch that's like between five and a half and six years in the making, so to speak. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje for the BMF title, and what is the most quintessential BMF title fight? I think we've ever seen just two bad dudes that are going to go at it from the second the fight starts until the second the fight ends. These two have been in massive fights before. This isn't for a legitimate title, so to speak, but no doubt the winner of this fight is definitely in contention for the lightweight strap either later this year or early next year. And then, of course, we have the highly anticipated light heavyweight debut of the former UFC middleweight champion Alex Pereira, taking on the former UFC white heavyweight champion in Jan Bojovic. Tom, you want to talk about a unbelievable co-main event. Uh, someone is getting finished in that fight, and I don't know who it's going to be just yet, but there's no way that that fight uh, is going is going the distance because it simply won't, unless something just astronomical happens and the fight's boring, which I highly, uh, there's no way that Bojovic versus Pereira is not exciting.
1: I mean, Zen. UFC is coming strong in July. You've got Poirier Gaethje, too. Their first fight was fun as hell in April of 2018, which Poirier won, finishing Gaethje, I think, in the fourth round. And then you have, as you mentioned, Alex Pereira. And he doesn't get an easy task at light heavyweight. And, you know, when when the fighters move weight classes, the UFC yeah. tends to not give them an easy uh, an easy showing. And he gets a former champion in Blahowicz. I yeah, I,
0: I think this is I think this is a win and you get the title shot lose and you have to work your way all the way back up. Oh that's, that's what, absolutely what this that, is
1: for Pereira. That's
0: that's what I think. Yeah. It
1: absolutely is what it is. Uh as far as Poye and Gagey goes, I mean BFF, BMF title, sure. I mean it uh Dana says it's vacant. Uh, I think there are certain George Masvidal fans who would like to argue all anyways, you know, that he is the BMF forever and ever. Uh, but here with Poirier and Gaethje too, I mean, Zen, I have a, to borrow actually a little bit from fan-sided, term used for the uh, Poirier and Gaethje, and the kinds of fighters they are, they are people's champions. Actually, I could say I borrowed it for The Rock too. Because that's what the BMF title kind of is. The Poye and Gagey kind of are. They're fighters for the people. You know, even when they're not competing in championship fights, even when they fall short of the actual undisputed gold, people still look at them and treat them as champions. And this fight, five rounds, BMF title, main event of a UFC pay-per-view, is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I cannot wait.
0: Oh, 100%. Um I do not have a pick for this fight, but this is without a doubt. I think you could pencil this in right now. Um, what is this? May 17th. This is, this yeah. is airing May 17, 2023. I think you can pencil this in right now as um, not just a fight of the year candidate, but it'll win fight of the year.
1: 48 Gagey. I could totally yeah. see that happening. Absolutely. Uh, I also, I'm not sure who I'm going to go with. I mean, as of this moment, I'm leaning slightly to Poirier. Uh, I think
0: so. I think so, too.
1: Maybe I'm leaning slightly to Poye and slightly towards Pereira. But that's as of us two months out. When we get closer to this card, um, I mean, my hype level is going to be through the roof. And I'm definitely going to be doing, you know. A lot more focusing and thinking about this fight. I, I cannot wait to see it.
0: Tom, is this, the, this is the greatest late July UFC main event that they've had in years? Because it certainly feels that
1: way. Well, obviously, they haven't done late July cards every year. But then, since Jones-Cormier 2, absolutely.
0: Yeah, Jones-Cormier 2. And I, I guess before that, another one you'd have to look at is Lawler versus Woodley. From UFC yeah. 201, yeah, yeah, yeah. A year prior, that was, also, prior, that was yeah. also late July in Atlanta, Georgia. So there, there you go, um, at the old Phillips Arena, if you will. Nonetheless, UFC 291 was just one of the cards that was announced in the UFC special announcement live stream. We also have some more clarity about UFC 292. So here we go, the biggest bantamweight title fight in several years. Aljamain Sterling. The heel, if you will, versus everybody's favorite golden boy, the golden goose, if you will, a guy that I've been high on ever since day one when he made his debut on Dana White's Contender Series in 2017. It's finally his moment. Al Jermaine Sterling versus, whether you like it or not, Sean O'Malley for the undisputed UFC Bantamweight title. And then, of course, the co-main event isn't bad either. We have Weiwei Zhang taking on... a and the Lemos, Honestly, you couldn't ask for two better fights to top the UFC's first trip back to Boston in a, almost four years. I think everybody at the TV Garden that night is going to get their money's worth in a little bit more because those were some phenomenal, phenomenal, head- especially that main event with so much bad blood riding with Sterling, O'Malley, and then, of course, the outlier, Rob DeVonish, Philly, of course.
1: Yeah, so here's what I'm going to say. I am one of those people, Zan, who isn't exactly the greatest on Sean O'Malley in terms of popularity and such. You know, I'm not a fan on I'm not you know on the level of fan like everybody else is around Sean O'Malley. But I will, but I will recognize and I recognized last week he is the UFC's golden boy, and he they are putting him in Zan. I don't know if they can give him any bigger of an opportunity. I don't like the fact that he's getting this fight off of a controversial split decision loss to Peter Jan, a split decision win over Peter Jan, which I believe he lost that fight. And then he sits out all these months and he's going to get a title shot. But they've they've set it up well for a golden boy. Aljamain Sterling just defended the Bantamweight Championship very recently. And now here he is, a, a tough fight with Henry Ceruto. And now here he is. Sean O'Malley getting in the cage, challenging him. And he, you know, they get those set. The UFC gets the setup that the plan was <laughs> August 19th in Boston, just a few months after the defense. This is a big opportunity for O'Malley to win it, especially when you consider circumstances of the bad blood, Morabini outside, Sterling having defended the title. Now, here's going to be my things, Dan. If O'Malley wins, it's definitely going to be a big moment for UFC history coming from the contender series to winning the gold. I would think he would be the second after Jamal Hill to do such a thing. He Um, would be. But, Zan, could you see a situation where after O'Malley wins, they say, okay, since now presents an opportunity for Marab to fight for the title. I think I kind of alluded last week, Zan. If O'Malley fights Marab in a title fight, I see Marab wiping the floor with him. I think that would see, be a big mistake on the UFC's part.
0: See, I don't think that fight happens first. I actually think that if O'Malley wins, they're going to do an immediate rematch.
1: I Okay, I could see that happening as well.
0: And the, the reason why I say that is because Sterling has held the Bantamweight title for quite a few years now. And there would be a lot to sell in a second fight versus if you just do the Marab fight right away given that there's still going to be that bad blood brewing over the Marab controversy and him not getting the fight. Now, my theory is this. I really do think that Sterling begged and pleaded with the UFC to make sure that this Marab fight didn't happen. I can't say that for certain, but the way that Sterling talks about Marab and how he doesn't want to fight him and he's been super vocal about it, I really do think the UFC gave into some sort of command Where it's just like, we don't want, we don't want to, um.
1: And you have to fight O'Malley, basically.
0: Right. And we don't, we don't want to go back into, um, a Francis, John Jones situation where all we're doing is toying with money. So they feel like, okay, in order to save face, we'll give O'Malley the fight. And O'Malley was asking for the fight. And I feel like since O'Malley doesn't have a manager and he's quite close with the UFC brass from what it seems like. There's no way they weren't gonna tell him no, uh don't, don't give me don't give me the fight. So the that's my theory on that. I I'm gonna go out on a whim and you're gonna hate me for this, but I actually think O'Malley beats him. I really I, mean, I, really, I think so too.
1: I think like I, I really, said, it's it's a perfect opportunity. He's coming off of a title a hard title defense already. Uh you've got O'Malley, o- you know, being so
0: a fight that even though you and I agree was scored correctly, a fight that a lot of people were heavily debating, did Sterling
1: actually win? Well, again, we both believe that Sterling won, but if you look by the judge's scorecards, that really controversial fifth round, that one judge that gave the fight to Sterling, that fifth round to Sterling, if it's been scored correctly, Sahuda would be the champion, and, and then this division would be completely uh, jumbled up.
0: Uh yeah. Uh, that's the right way to describe it without getting too deep into uh, an alternate history, if you will. Um, also, but yeah, th- this should be, a, it should be a very good main event, that's for yeah, that's uh, for sure. Also,
1: also the co main event can't th- forget Whaley Zang against Amanda Lemos. Uh, you would have to think, Zan, that the hope for I don't know if it's for the UFC or just for fight fans is that Zang wins so that way we can really book Zang versus for the title
0: uh yeah i think that's what the ufc is banking on yep and i think it's gonna be my opinion is if that is what happens don't be surprised if in january of 24 the main event is that fight for the first pay-per-view of 2024
1: or or if they can get uh either a pay-per-view or a fight night card in china
0: I don't see how this title fight goes on a fight night, though. That's the that's that's the thing.
1: Even even if they bring this to China, I mean Dana was open to it. I think when he said it uh, at the press conference.
0: Yeah, but in terms of a fight night with a championship, you don't really see that anymore. Unless they yeah. unless they break the mold, I don't I don't see how they do it on a fight night. But I agree with you. That is the fight that the UFC more of the. More, if we ideally want is um, Zhang versus Yashar, not. yeah,
1: for sure. All right, couple other news nuggets before we get into the re, uh, to the well, review. So, wait,
0: before you be, before you continue, that now leaves two options for the UFC. They either do McGregor versus Chandler in September or McGregor versus Chandler in December. If they want to get it done this year, I think those are their only two options.
1: I, I really don't think, Sam, it makes much sense to do this tough season and then do, not do the fight until December. Uh, the, the fact that August in Boston, again, very Irish population, is booked for August, that would lead me to believe, as we kind of talked about last week, it has to be September in Las Vegas. That That's my only thought. Because October, like we said, it's going to be Islam Makhachev defending the title. now. Whether he defends against the BMF title winner of Poirier versus Gaethje two, or he defends against the winner of Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush next month, that remains to be seen. But UFC, like I kind of has said for a couple of weeks now, is not going to go into uh, Fight Island, Abu Dhabi, and not have Islam Makhachev as the main event.
0: Oh, 1,000%. Um. So my prediction, obviously, we don't know, and I don't know any any extra information than you do. If I if if I would, I would have revealed it. My prediction, though, is that I think it's going to be September. They're gonna they're gonna do that fight, and my prediction is it's going to be Allegiant Stadium, and they're gonna and they're gonna do it. Um, they're gonna do it the same weekend as the as the newly announced Bellator card. In my in my opinion,
1: oh. That would actually be interesting. uh that I think Zan, if I can pull up the calendar, I think September of twenty three begins, yeah, it's two nine, sixteen, twenty three thirty. So judging by August nineteenth being the card, as we uh, kind of thought after the whole, you know, what if they did a thing on August fifth kind of felt <clears throat> so that would lead me to believe three weeks so. 23rd would be the latest we get a UFC pay-per-view for September, if not the 9th or 16th. I don't think they do it on the 9th that they do it right before the NFL season kicks off, and I don't know about the 16th. I could very well see if they're going to try to get all the hype that they can. You're right. Well, September 23rd. Well,
0: well, the reason why I don't think they'll do the 16th is I think they're reserving that for Canelo.
1: Oh, it, yeah, that's but, gonna, uh, yeah. Mexican Independence Day weekend
0: yeah that's going to be when Canelo fights so that means that only leaves them with a couple options and I think the 23rd I think the 23rd makes the most sense
1: at this point Zan at this point between what they just booked for Boston and what they're doing for July with 291 and this tough season like and and not to mention Zan we even talked about it with Leon and Colby and Islam like if it's not Saturday, September 23rd in Las Vegas, when and what the hell is it then? Like that's the point. Like, it's time for answers. I I think you could I could agree. It's time for answers to start to come up as we're getting for this ready for this tough season.
0: Yeah, and in Dana's exact words, he said that um he and his team will be working very hard. His words, not mine, direct quote, very hard to that fight together so let's see what very hard actually means but given what we have just discussed September 23rd I think is the only logical option if they if they want to do September but I want to but I need to know because I need to figure out if I can somehow go or not (laughs) because I want to because I want to because I want to somehow be there
1: (laughs) come on Connor get the fight signed
0: I want to know because I went to I went to his last one so I want to be able to say that I went to I went to two Conor McGregor fights in a row. That would be that would be amazing. <laughs>
1: That'd be nice. All right, couple of our news nuggets. Uh, you know what? I was gonna go to the Paul Diaz one, but you know what? Since we're on the topic of Conor, he uh, had an interesting tweet the other day saying that he is not gonna retire until he breaks the all-time UFC knockout record. Which, then, you want my answer? You want my response to that? <laughs> No disrespect to the power and precision of Conor your strikes, but win a meaningful fight, please, before you start doing this.
0: Yeah, not only win a meaningful fight, but they will probably mean, yeah, I'll fight once, and I'll knock out Shamler. And then, for the heck of it, I'll take two years off, and I'll take another fight. They don't think two more years off, and then and then it gets to the point where it's like eight years later. He's finally he's trying to break the knockout record at like forty-one years
1: old. UFC is going to create a seniors division exclusively for him. So the PFL is yeah. going to have a super fight division, and the UFC is going to have a seniors division.
0: I mean, I mean, at this point, with what the UFC has done for Conor. And bend over backwards for him. I honestly think anything is possible at this point. <laughs> but no, I no, um, that will not happen. Number one and number two: Conor McGregor versus Matt Brown will not sell any pay-per-views. So, <laughs> so don't, so, so don't give anybody any weird ideas. Sorry, immortal one.
1: Yeah, you man. had a great finish. You had a great finish last weekend. Just.
0: You no, did. You gotta, you, yeah, you gotta you gotta tone it down a little bit.
1: <laughs> uh all right. Let's talk about this press conference.
0: Yeah, so let me break it down. So last week, um Jake Paul and Nate Diaz had their tickets on sale press conference ahead of their August fifth boxing match in Dallas. Actually, before I get into this, there's a little theory. Uh my friend or my Twitter mutual Ryan Federow has a theory that he believes that the UFC knows that Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz is falling apart. And he thinks that there is a contingency plan in place that if that fight does fall apart, Nate Diaz will be immediately re-signed back to the UFC. And instead of Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler, it'll be Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz 3, the eight that everybody's been waiting for, instead of... Michael Chamler by the time the tough season is over. I find that to be very odd, but I'm also very intrigued because I've been wanting to see the third fight for a long time.
1: I understand that. Yes, we've wanted to see the third fight for a while. But if that happens, then, then what the hell is the point of this tough season? Uh,
0: I have have one answer for you. Ratings for ESPN, my friend. Ratings and money. (laughs)
1: Oh, hang on. I wasn't ready for that second part. You said money?
0: Yeah. Money, money, and more money. That's all it is.
1: And and, and Conor promotion.
0: Exactly. 100%. By the way, very interesting that we still don't know what's going on with Conor McGregor's USADA status. And at this point, we might never know what's going on with it.
1: He's going to get the exemption. You know, he's going to get the Brock Lesnar treatment.
0: Of course he will. <laughs> They're trying to treat UFC 293 like it's UFC 300 a little bit early. That's probably what it will end up being.
1: So are you saying Jim Miller's going to fight at UFC 293 too?
0: Uh, I don't know. You never know. <laughs>
1: well, I know Jim Miller is booked for a fight very soon. Oh, he certainly is, isn't he? Uh, He's fighting June 3rd against uh Klein.
0: Yeah, so there's still time to make a September fight if he wins.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Uh,
0: oh, wait. Yeah, a lot, a lot went on at this press conference. Ariel Holwani was the moderator for it, and uh, there was a certain media member that I guess we could just call Derek, because that is what he goes by, and um, he challenged um, the Diaz brothers to a fight, and um As two of us that have been in combat sports media and in journalism media for a long time, anyone watching this that is trying to get into the industry, what Derek did is something that you just don't do. So whatever you do, do not challenge professional prize fighters saying that you would try to kick their ass when you know in your heart that you wouldn't stand a chance. So don't even even try
1: Really, then, you are gonna get up there trying to say that you can whoop the Diaz brothers? You know what they would do to you, they would do more than stock and slap <laughs> you, my friend. They would completely pulverize you. Yeah, they, they would just...
0: Yeah, not only would they pulverize you, they'd they'd probably rob you at the same time too, right?
1: <laughs> they would they would just completely destroy you. Like what and and Zan. We've been at our fair share of uh, events where it's like the questioning I mean Sam I was at the uh, rooftop uh, press conference for Diaz and Mozmidal where somebody maybe it was Derek again said that Nate Diaz couldn't be the BMF because he's a vegetarian.
0: Yeah I have not done my research on that specifically but I would not be I would not be surprised. Although Jake Paul wasn't known to the general public back then, and Derek's affiliate was Better Media, which is associated with Jake Paul. So it, it, the, the, there's probably no way it was him, but it was probably some sort of version of him. Let's just <laughs> which 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 put it that way. And at the none same way, press,
1: the same press way, conference where somebody said, go Pats to Dana, just to get a good laugh out of him.
0: Yeah, which which by the way... Given that it was a UFC press conference, I actually would kind of let that slide. If it was it, if it was at an NFL press conference, I think I would. I think I would have. I think I would have given a shoulder shrug. But that one was actually pretty funny. Um, I will say, in the, well, I guess uh, how do I say this? In the one in the one formal press conference I have been to uh, for Bellator back at Bellator 288, I think there were there were some very well behaved. Uh, media members there that knew what they were doing. And there certainly was not a single fanboy that I came across. Obviously we have about an equal number of um, in-person press conference experiences. So we obviously don't know the entire ins and outs, but that's certainly something that if you're trying to get into the business, you simply don't do what Derek from Better Media did. But in terms of that though, Nate Diaz did make a very good point that there really weren't any um, normal, civilized people at the press conference that day. No. And, Tom, I'm I, I'm sure that you could probably agree with it. And this is also a message uh, to the zone's vetting team. Make sure you vet people that have actually uh, had a little bit of experience in the industry and aren't just associated with fighters. Because that's technically a conflict of interest, too. You, you can't you can't do that.
1: I mean, but what about the Mac life?
0: yeah well, they're actually a legitimate news outlet though. I mean, let's be let's be honest,
1: okay. maybe when they first maybe when it first started, very connor heavy, but I guess you're right over the course of time, but I mean same they,
0: with, yeah. same with same with my current outlet. fair enough it it, it, had, it, it had its sweeps and bounds and now it's known as a very credible MMA news
1: site again so fair enough. but here's my point, Zan. Because we talked about weeks ago about the fact that Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz is on The Zone of all things. You don't think The Zone kind of partially wants this so they can, you know, stir the pot a little bit to try and get some of that fight hype?
0: Uh, yeah. And that can be played in a promo over and over and over and over again. Put some really nice hype music to it and over and over and over again. And just stir the pot a little more as the days trickle down to August 5th. So there you go. If the fight even happens, you have to remember this weekend is cursed because as last year, Jake Paul was supposed to fight at Madison square garden on this exact weekend. And that did not, that did not materialize. They had to cancel the event.
1: It's as cursed as the number 33 in MMA.
0: That is exactly right. Do, do you have any final thoughts on this, uh, on this press conference, quote-unquote, if you even want to call it that, or more of a sideshow. Look at all the failure! There you go. And do you expect anything less for the press conference that will be the week of the fight?
1: No, it'll probably be about the same.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: <laughs> uh, One other thing I want to note... Uh, before we uh, move on to our reviews and previews. So, the WWE and the UFC, that merged company, spinoff company from Endeavor, whatever you want to call it. It has a name. It's just going to be called the TKO Group. There was a oh. few days ago where it, it had been a, uh, SEC paperwork that it was going to be called New Whale Inc., which, I mean, maybe makes sense for WWE, head, headquartered in Connecticut, home of the previous Harper Whalers before they became the Carolina Hurricanes, who are currently playing in the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, yeah. But, obviously, TKO Group makes much more sense than, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's still business as usual, as they kind of said it was going to be.
0: Yeah, I like the name. I really I really do. I think it sticks with the Bravada brand, and I think it makes a lot of sense for both parties, and I think they should be happy with it. I liked it. I like the
1: name. I do. I do, too. All right but we're not wall street people we're fight people let's get sure. into this. let's get into the recaps from this past weekend let's start with bellator so fabian edwards i mean fabian edwards gayguard Musasi, not the most exciting fight i will say however i am a little shocked that fabian edwards nearly swept gayguard on the scorecards first time by the way that gayguard Musasi has lost consecutive fights in his mma career.
0: yeah pretty shocking and uh it made my Bellator rankings job pretty easy this week as to where I should put Edwards. So thank you, Edwards, for making my job seamless. Nonetheless, um, it's a good win. He beat a legend of the sport, uh, did what he needed to do. And sometimes those wins don't have to be the most exciting as long as you get the job done. And that's exactly what Edwards did in France. And it sets up an even bigger fight now with Johnny Eblin for the belt in September. Um, which should be a phenomenal card from Dublin. Obviously, Tom, this was a great win for Edwards, though. Neutralized, uh, neutralized Musashi's game, took away his gas tank, uh, prevented him from throwing any power shots. Edwards was not hurt during the fight at all. It seemed like Musashi was just one step forward, two steps back the entire fight and just couldn't get any relative offense going from what, uh, from what Edwards tried to counter with. And Edwards basically just did whatever he wanted. What did you you think he was like?
1: Yeah, basically that, you know, Musashi tried to just, I mean, it was a very bit of a slow start. You saw Edwards kind of working his jab a little bit. You had, you had the uh, controversial illegal knee that was ruled uh, during, I think it was the middle of the second round. But uh, uh. Fabian Edwards kind of kept his distance and basically chose not to take the fight down. Musashi finally was able to get a takedown like late in the fight. But uh, this was classic, you know, like you said, kind of shut Musasi's strategies down, kept his distance, uh, forced Musashi to keep coming forward. Edwards uh, landed with his range and Musashi, as you said, his gas tank was completely taken away this was a very strong performance from Fabian Edwards. And dare I say, it's going to be quite the fight to watch come September when he challenges Evelyn for the middleweight title. You saw the two in the octagon and, you know, maybe not as intense as Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley, but you could see there a little bit of a, you know, I'm going to get you kind of vibe.
0: Yeah, I um I actually am picking Evelyn as my early prediction, but would not be surprised if Edwards pull. Off the upset and wins in the third or fourth round, just because, just like his brother, you never know. He could pull, um, he could pull a cat out of the hat, so to speak, and something crazy could happen.
1: I, I was going to bring up that point. Yeah, you, you know, maybe Fabian Edwards is the better story for you know winning that he and his brother can both be champions in the top two promotions in the world. I mean, two of the top promotions in the world.
0: Um, You can fact check me on this, but when was the last time you had two brothers potentially be champion in their respective promotions? Or is this like a, a historic first
1: ever? Well, that's Petri- I'd say Pet- Pet- uh, Petricky last year.
0: Yeah, besides the Pitbull brothers is what I meant.
1: But besides the Pitbull brothers, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. But still, though, a very famous last name having a chance to do something that his brother also did in the UFC, very good for Edwards. And you just got to give him all the respect in the world. Beating a guy like Musasi that's been around since the mid nineties. It's easy to say how long he's been around, but I still think Musasi's is one of the best in the world, but I feel like if he loses three in a row, I think it's time to start throwing the R word around um, based on how he looks in his next performance. What do you, what do you think?
1: I mean, Fabian Edwards is still one of the top performers at middleweight, so I mean, I'm I'm hesitant to use that word on Musasi just yet. Like you said, let's see how he looks in his next fight. Let's see what happens in the kind of direction that he and Bellator are going to go in after this. For sure, very uh,
0: impre- very impressive win for Edwards. Still,
1: co-main event, uh, important fight. Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix fight. Brent Primus getting the win over Mansur Bernoulli in a very, very close fight. It was basically three rounds to two where I had it. And now, as a result of his win, as part of the tournament, Brent Primus is next in line for Usman Nurmagomedov.
0: Yeah, and uh, you already know where I'm going in that fight. I, I think, I think, I think Nurmagomedov beats him, but I think Primus is going to give Usman the toughest fight of his life. <laughs> That's for that's for sure. That's going to be a war of attrition. The second the fight starts until the second uh, the referee tells them to stop, that's going to be one of the best fights of the year. Uh, Whatever that takes place for Bellator, and it's one of those fights where if you've never seen either of those guys fight before, that's going to be all action. That's for that's for sure.
1: Do you think do you think Primus manages to get it to go to distance, or you think Usman gets the sub?
0: I think Usman submits him weight in the fight. I think it goes to the fourth round and Primus tires out and he gets submitted. What do you What do you think?
1: I'm going to say around round three, round four, he gets the submission.
0: So similar to me, okay, gotcha. Similar. You're similar, more... Maybe
1: a little earlier, maybe closer to mid-fight.
0: Would you be shocked if Nurmagomedov got beat somehow? Because I, I would be... Personally.
1: I, if, if Brent Primus, no disrespect to him, but if Brent Primus managed to defeat Usman Nurmagomedov, That would have to be up there for top three, if not top two, upsets of 2023.
0: And one of the biggest upsets in promotional history by far. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Switching over now to Charlotte, North Carolina. Jelton Almeida gets the win, submitting Jarsenio Rosenstrike. Call this one. Yeah, so Almeida now, I believe, at number nine in the UFC heavyweight rankings. And I think Almeida has submitted him, uh, cemented himself as one to watch in this division.
0: A uh, good point. Um, I mean, let me see here. I mean, yeah, he's definitely cemented himself as a as a threat in the heavyweight division, for sure. I mean, that's without a doubt his biggest win in terms of a name in
1: Rosenstrike did not look good in this fight again he was easily taken no, yeah. down I mean credit to him that he was able to not you know I mean avoid the submissions avoid the joke for as long as he did but eventually Almeida got to his back got the choke and it was just over in one round and it was kind of another disappointing performance I mean we talked about Francis and Ganu earlier in the show and Remember, there was once a time where Jarzino Rosenstrike was put in front of Francis Ngannou as a true test, and Francis easily had his way with him. Rosenstrike, Zan, I mean, his 2019 was incredible. He was, I think, the UFC's best fighter in terms of people who had arrived to the promotion in 2019 in that year. And it's been a rough going.
0: Yeah, I would say the next logical fight for Almeida, though, is Almeida versus Blades. What do, you, what do you think?
1: I like that fight. I like that fight. And
0: the, and the reason why I say that is Blades is, has struggled as of late, has not looked good. Almeida's on a, on a run that I don't think a lot of people expected. And if Almeida beats Blades, breaks into the top five that way, um, if, if he isn't already in the top five, he'll be ready for a title shot sooner than you think. I think he needs one more fight. I said it on Twitter the other day. I answered a poll question. I, I said, I think he needs one more fight before you consider him fighting for a championship.
1: I think he could use another fight or two. I think he could use another fight or two. I, I, Heavyweight right now is a very volatile, uh, I mean, it's, it has its talent, but it's volatile right now with the UFC because like we talked about, what happens if come November, Jones beats Stepe and heads out of promotion? Then everything is up for grabs.
0: Uh, yeah, and then it'll probably end up being somehow that gelatin all made it becomes the Jamal Hill of the UFC heavyweight division and is somehow thrusted into a title fight that nobody was expecting.
1: It's possible.
0: You, awesome. never, you never know. know.
1: Uh, Co-main event Johnny Walker over Anthony Smith. I don't really have much to say. He was kind of boring. He had the little tease that maybe Anthony Smith would retire in the octagon. Uh, he didn't, but I think it's time. Like we, we did yeah, we didn't use the word for gay guard, but for Anthony Smith, I think it's time.
0: I think it's time too. And I think Dana was right when he said that Johnny Walker didn't really impress a lot of people, and it's hard to disagree with that.
1: I don't think either of them did any favors for themselves. obviously no, I, Anthony, obviously, Anthony Smith's chances ever at ever being a champion are now d o any done, done, done completely. <laughs> but Johnny Walker, I mean, he could have had a highlight finish and maybe it's just how the fight wins, but just nothing. That fight didn't did nothing for me. That was kind of really no. during that fight.
0: No, absolutely nothing. Very, very well said.
1: All right. But you know what will do something, Zan? Our big three our big fights this weekend. We got three fights we got a preview. And leading it off, Zan, I can't believe we're talking about this an hour and twenty-two minutes into the show and not near the beginning, like we thought we could have done when we were when we were talking about this episode first. The Undisputed Lightweight Championship of Boxing is on the line. Devin Haney defends the championship against Vasily Lomachenko. It's, Zan, it's quite simply to me, one of, if not the face of boxing today versus a guy who was one of the faces of boxing only about three, four, five years ago.
0: So you, so you're telling me that you think Devin Haney is a bigger face of boxing than uh, what Trevante Davis claimed about three or four weeks ago? We're still giving that distinction to De- Devin Haney. Is that what you're? Is that what they're telling me?
1: I said one of, if not the. Did I?
0: You said one of, if not the. But if you're if you're going to say the, do you think Devin Haney
1: is the face of boxing right now? Before that, before that Tank Davis fight, I would have said yes. Now I'm not sure. Okay. Well, hey,
0: don't get me wrong. I like Lomachenko. I've watched him for several years. But Tom, let's face it, Devin Haney, Las Vegas, Nevada, his hometown. I don't see I don't see who he loses. I I really I really don't.
1: The only thing, uh, I want, the only thing for I know, crowd, sorry. The only thing on. for the crowd, no,
0: wait, you go. On. go the ahead. only
1: thing for the crowd's sake I will say is Lomachenko has a country on his back though. I think this is his first, maybe second fight since Ukraine the attack yeah it's his,
0: it's his second fight
1: so he's going to have a country behind him
0: yeah i mean there's no way this fight doesn't suck right i mean i mean it's going to be it's going to be
1: fantastic this this has to be one of like the expectation at this point is is that it could it should be one of the fights for the year for boxing
0: i think so too the question is, is it worth the pay-per-view price tag just for this one fight? That's the that's the question. I I'd say it's one of those rare times where yes, it actually yes. is.
1: Uh, what is like $59.99 on ESPN Plus or $69.99?
0: $69.99, I think.
1: I'd say maybe a little much. Maybe I'd say $59, but I'd still say yes.
0: Yeah. Are you picking Haney to win this fight? Because I personally am.
1: Yes. I mean Zan. Lomachenko's talented without a doubt, but you know, his time was kind of a few years ago. And now Devin Haney has solidified himself. I mean, the way that he captured all of the lightweight championships in this sport. I mean, you gotta give the credit to him. He really had, you know, showcased the mark that he is leaving on boxing today. Whereas Lomachenko, I, I think Haney's just gonna be a little. Haney's just going to be a little too quick and a little too powerful for Loma in this one. I don't think Loma think- gets finished. I think Loma puts up a tough and makes it a close fight, but I say Haney by decision.
0: Okay, I'm taking Haney to win in round nine. I think he's going to. I think he's going to stop him. I
1: think he finishes all that. I would go nuts if Haney got the finish of Lomachenko.
0: I think he. I think he will. I really, I really do.
1: One thing we can agree on on the face of boxing, comment. Both Haney and Tank have surpassed Canelo at this point.
0: Agreed. Now, do you think it's going to be Haney? Ver- okay, assuming Haney wins, is it going to be a super fight between he and Shakur Stevenson? Or is it going to be he and auntie Davis for all the marbles to see who the baddest uh, lightweight in the world is?
1: You know what's funny? Did I not say when we were talking about the Tank Davis and uh, Ryan Garcia fight, Did I not say that Shakur Stevenson was a very interesting wild card to watch out for? You did say that. And I'm just getting a feeling that I don't think a Haney versus Tank fight happens because I think Shakur Stevenson gets in the way. And Zan, you know what we say about boxing, don't we? It
0: gets in its own way. But for this weekend only, it does not.
1: For this weekend only, it does not. And credit where credit is who, Stevenson is still a hell of a boxer. So, I, I I can't necessarily be too, too mad at that. Agreed. All right. Uh, but, Zen, that's not the only undisputed lightweight championship that's on the line this weekend. No, it is not. Women's title is also on the line a few hours beforehand when Katie Taylor defends her undisputed title against Chantel Cameron.
0: Yeah, if I'm Amanda Serrano, I am sweating like crazy that afternoon because you better believe that I want Katie Taylor, if I'm the Serrano camp, to win because it would be the biggest rematch in the history of women's boxing, period. So if Chantel Cameron ruins ruins this fight, I think Amanda Serrano is gonna be pretty pissed off. That's for that's for sure.
1: Probably. Because now maybe you get Taylor and Serrano again. And I mean, but Zan, do we really see any way that Katie Taylor, who is considered one of the best, if not the best women's box in the world right now, loses to Chantel Cameron this weekend?
0: No, and Cameron doesn't even have half the experience that Taylor does. um, um, Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but 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 I just don't. But I just don't see how it's possible. This feels to me like a version of Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm, except uh, in this case, Katie Taylor playing the Ronda Rousey role should win. That that's how that's how I feel this fight should go and probably will go. By the way, this one is free on DAZN and not DAZN pay-per-view. For right. any curious, we keep harping on DAZN pay-per-view. This one is actually on the free version of DAZN. So.
1: Yeah. And I and I will be keeping an eye on this fight. Uh, we have one other women's headliner this weekend. We got one other card coming out this weekend. It's UFC Vegas seventy three. Apex Apex, 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 Apex.
0: Yeah, this and is your prototypical UFC Apex fight: Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. And this just has a dirty, 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 controversial decision written all over it. <laughs> I can already, I can already feel it. I don't know about you, but I think Angela Hill was getting screwed on Saturday.
1: Uh, it's it, it would be the typical Angela Hill thing to seem like you've won the fight and then lose a controversial split decision, wouldn't it?
0: Absolutely. Zed, here's Absolutely. my question.
1: By the time our okay. show finishes airing on Wednesday, May 17th, will Mark Zuckerberg have bought out the Apex again?
0: Very, very Oh, could be possible if there were plus odds on it, I would absolutely bet it and say yes, he will have. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh so some interesting fights this weekend. I think I'm gonna keep a big eye on the boxing scene and no disrespect to McKenzie and Angela Hill, but when we're getting it to this point, maybe you know, next week when we get the week off for UFC, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite needed. I think even last um, week and Char- think even last week in Charlotte card kind of. Gave that sign.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That the run of UFC after UFC is getting very daunting. But we'll have more coverage to talk about in the coming weeks. We'll also have another women's boxing match that we'll have to talk about in the next several weeks. That is actually close to me, and I may or may not be considering going to that fight. But we'll we'll get we'll, we'll get to that. uh We'll get into that when it comes uh, when uh, Carissa Shields, if you will. But uh, yeah. a- anyway, nonetheless, this was a very packed show, arguably dubbed the biggest show in MMA outsiders history. But yours truly again, I am Zan Bando. That is Tom Elbano. To my left, you can find my work over at BJPen.com. I am a Bellator Rankings panelist, so you can look for my for my and every other media member's rankings or group rankings rather after every Bellator event. Again, the next one is Bellator 297. On June sixteenth in Chicago, I will be there for that one. You can find Tom's work over at Fanside MMA, and he'll have some interesting news to drop, which will probably be made public by the time our next episode or airs in about a week or so. Again, you can find his work over at Fanside MMA as he is cranking out fight recaps almost on a weekly basis. Of course, be sure to like and subscribe, follow everything that is. The Empty the Bench Podcast Network and the MMA Outsiders at MMA Outsiders ETV. So you know everything that's going on with the network. And then, of course, if you don't want to see our faces, you can find the podcast always on audio-only platforms, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, and more, of course. So with that, that has been another episode of the MMA Outsiders. We had a lot to cover this week. Again, the big takeaway, Francis Ngannou finally has his deal. The former UFC heavyweight champion has a new home and let's see if PFL can finally be taken for the legitimate organization that it is. Um, For Tom, I'm Zan. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you all next week for another edition of the MMA Outsiders. Same time, same place. And again, no UFC event to cover, but, but I'm sure we will have a lot of news and notes to break down. Tom, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Be Joe Piper.
0: Be Joe Piper. Enjoy the fights this weekend everyone more specifically the boxing and we will see you all next week
1: bye everyone bye everyone